Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple places on the internet. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. Maybe you're listening later at Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Hold on, Pete. It's dangerous to go alone. Take this with you. And by this, of course, I mean... A thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Specifically, though, this is what Pete's telling me to hurry up about here, is once a month we uh, say a thank you to people who are at the $5 and up level. We read their names as a thank you. We, of course, thank everybody for the support at patreon.com slash comic book club. Yes. But here we go. Otherwise, Pete's going to blow a gasket. Oidis Larson. Aaron C. Hollis. Oh, my God. Adam DeRose. Adam Harwitz. Adam Marks. Adriel Moreland. Elena Fontenot. Amanda Harris! Andrew. Hot on the mic, Pete, and also Andrew Primo. Beer Cat PhD. Benjamin Brown. Carly W. Carly Matthews. Uh, Chris Leatherman. Christina Jaramillo. Christina Rensfield. Chris Terlizzi. Clemens Luer. Curtis LaRock. D-Man Ryan. Dan Snow. Daniel Cabrera. Daniel Fuentes. Danny Heck. Debbie Gloom. Dennis Scott. Derek Mainhart. Doug Sutaway. Dylan L.J. Eduardo Martinez. Emmett Quish. Emmett Quish. <laughs> Aaron <How about> Dorian. <laughs> what, we just went wild. Okay, Jeffrey Risher. Gerard Delvilliers. Great. Pete's always working on his French. Isaac Carter. Jake Fry. James Cottley. James Kurtz. Jaron Townsend. Jason Donahue. Jeffrey Whaley. John George. John Henderson. Jonathan John. Jonathan McCool. Joshua W. Bronson. Julian Lobato. Casey Newhaven. Kevin Kleinrock. Kieran Broderick. Cody Thomas. Liwana Thomas. Luke Asink. Matt Tice. Matthew C. Hernandez. Michael Tillman. Nelson Kelso Martinez. Nick G. Similarly, Nick Grayson. Hmm, wonder if they're the same person. Official CBC chef Brett Macris. Stray Bullies. Omnia Soul Art. Orrin Dix. Petra A. Rangel. Perry Teleferro. Pete's Pretty Kitty. Provocative Ambulance. Rev Mikey. Robert Pedinato. Sarah Schottmuller. Sarah Schaefer. Scott Carpenter. Scott England. Stanley. Steve Cook. Tamela Rush. Taylor Bryan. Terrible Jason. The Big Flood. The Twelve Banch. Victor Perez. Will Buchanan. W.M. Leish. Zachary Backman. And Zika's Viral Comics. Thank you, everybody, 
for your support of our show for real. We could not do it without you. If you'd like to support the show, patreon.com slash comic book club, and you get some amazing bonuses. At least I think they're amazing. You get our entire catalog of every podcast we do stretching back to 2011, which is thousands of podcasts. Okay. You're right. Just the right amount of information. I'll I'll delete it. I'll delete it from pre 2020. So as of right now, per Pete's request, you only get 2020. No, no, no. We need to imagine. We got to condense it. They don't need to hear that. They don't need all that. We should go back and re-listen to those from the beginning. Just to learn about it. I'll tell you what's really good about them. The audio quality. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) we did a bunch of them live in a theater and there was variable audio quality, but I think some of them are very good. We had some great chats. We were in the early days of podcasting. You don't blame the first cave people for not having a charcoal grill. We had that guy with the crank who was putting them down on records the entire time. That guy, Thomas Alva Edison. The first phone call, one of our podcasts. Yep. Wax cylinder. Hey, don't we have a show to podcast. do? No, we just this have to plug. This is the show. We have two guests waiting. And there before we, we got on, when I teched them, they were like, could you guys talk about the podcast instead for like an hour and specifically the <laughs> Patreon part of it? Like, just plug that and don't ever bring Assad to talk about our stuff. Come on, Wish man. Let's do this. Granted. <laughs> anyway, it's good. Thank you all for your support at whatever level. We really appreciate it. Why don't we bring in our first guest here? Go. He is the creator. Well, where do you have to go, Pete? Where do you have well, to go? I, I just don't like to keep amazing guests waiting. That's all. <laughs> You're just like, come nice. on, come on. I got to get through this. Is this because of trivia? Is trivia like laying on you at the top of the show and it's yeah. just this bearing thing bearing down to you? No, man, He's wanna, doing wanna, a little wanna... bit of a pee pee dance. I, I try not to, to be mean to our guests. Do you need to go pee pee? I told you to pee before we left. Don't talk to me like you're, I'm one of your kids, you asshole. Let's go. Let's I don't say do that this. to my children. That's gross. All right, it's what are we bringing? Because ironically, you were trying to rush us to the guests, and it actually delayed them. <laughs> Isn't that a every lesson? Time. Maybe there's a lesson there. Yeah, it feels like every time you try to rush us, we take longer, Pete. Have you ever noticed that? Like traditionally for 15 years at this point. It's, it is a tradition, like the favorite tradition. <laughs> right. It's American like Passover culture. for my people, the Jews. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we bring in our first guest? He is the creator of Zoop's Full Tilt, which is up on Zoop appropriately right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Copeland. Hello. 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 Welcome to the show. Thank you for your patience with oh. our intro. We appreciate it. I actually really enjoyed that whole thing. That was quite uh, that was quite something. You guys all have a good yeah. chemistry. Uh, oh, thank oh. You. You, should we do it again? Should we <laughs> run it from the top? Now, Alex, you're being weird. It's from years of being, I don't know, codependent. What, what are the words the psychologist told us? Yeah, I was actually pretty good just staying in the in the in the back room there and just watching you guys talk. As a of yeah. Uh, Some people book guests for their show. We book a future audience members. There you yes. go. Yeah. I'll pay just to sit in there. Uh, so I do want to get into your book, which is great. But before we do this, not to keep focusing on things that are weighing on Pete, but I know this is going to come up. So I want to get the segment out of the way so it doesn't bother him too much. Pete, do you want to do your background interview before we yes, get into Yes, man. It looks like you background. have some amazing stuff back there. I love the art that you have behind you. Plus, you got your cool artboard and studio set up there. Uh, any, any gems you want to kind of show off or point out to us? Uh, as in books, you mean? Yeah, or uh, anything hanging on the wall back there. It all I looks amazing. I think he wants to talk about the Sin City poster, maybe. Oh yeah, I got that. That was uh, that was a freebie from a local comic store. They were they were just uh, yeah. I got it mounted. It, it nice. Was, I was lucky enough to grab one. I think they only got like two or three, and I just happened to be there when they were unloading ah, the box. That was years ago. That's it. when that's when that book was coming out. So oh wow. wow. Well, no, I don't really I don't really have anything to show. 
Not really. Sorry. You got a clock. We know what time it is. That's the yeah, exactly. Like oh, well, I do think clock. it's interesting that you have a Sin City poster there because I was going to ask you about this, and I'm sure you get this a lot. But Full Tilt, looking through the art, it has its own unique style, but it does seem very influenced by Frank Miller in particular. Is that one of your influences? Is that what you pulled on for this book? Yeah, yeah. He's he's a huge influence for me. I was actually when when uh, when Pete there was asking what was in, around in my office. Uh, Oh, oh look at that. It, it lives it mm. lives like by my my drawing table i was going to show it and i thought no i won't show it but now i'll show it so yeah <laughs> yeah miller's M- miller's huge for me um yeah i i wear my uh my influences pretty much on my sleeve i think so <laughs> it's hard to hide that one awesome well but it does have its own unique style for anybody who's listening to the podcast and uh, it definitely has a different bent than a Sin City or anything like that, though it is still, uh, there's crime, there's some near future stuff going on. Do you want to give the pitch for the book, if you don't mind? Oh, man, I, I'm horrible at this, but I will certainly <laughs> oh, Sorry. I'm a, so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an artist turned uh, artist writer. So this this idea of pitching and, and like presenting things is like totally foreign to me. Um, it's not my forte. So, uh, please forgive me. (laughs) No worries, man. All right. Okay. Full Tilt is an action-filled future noir epic that touches on many eternal themes such as love and hate, family, power, and control. The story takes place in New Manhattan, the once gleaming state, oh, sorry, the once gleaming state-of-the-art city of the 23rd century. Now in the throes of social and moral decay, this, the city houses despondent citizens who lose themselves in narcotics and high-tech toys. Corrupt law enforcement agencies terrorize the population. Uh, bloodthirsty fans cheer as an indentured gladiators fight death matches to gain their freedom. In, it's the end of civilization, and the five crime, crime families control it all. Um, Whoa. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Tense. And let me just throw your tagline uh, at you that's on your Zoop page. Sin City meets the Godfather in the setting of Blade Runner, which is, uh, that's a fun uh, fun mashup of yeah. things there. Yeah. yeah. It's kind well, of where I live. Those are my wheelhouses right there. Well, I was going to ask yeah. about that. I mean, why, if you are, it sounds like you're almost a little uncomfortable about the fact that you are a writer now at the same time. So why was it important to do this genre in in your first or one of your first forays uh yeah i don't know i just i think it's just the natural just sort of where my sensibilities lie i don't uh i don't know if i consciously chose a particular genre it's just sort of where um where i feel comfortable um kind of creating uh, the near uh, I, I keep saying near future it's not near future it's set you know 200 years in the future um, but I like that setting because then I can get away with all sorts of things where I can make stuff up and, and I don't yeah. really have to worry about some things. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, crime, um, and, uh, the future, you know, dystopian futures, that's sort of my deal. And when you say that's your wheelhouse, is that led by what you uh, like to, to draw and, and create on the artist side? Or is that more from your, like the stories you like to consume or, or something like that? Uh, I'm pretty close to both, I'd say. I, I think that uh, I've been asked to draw lots of different things um, through through my career. So uh, I tend to I tend to get more excited about the things that are futuristic. Uh, but mm. you know, I tend to <laughs> I tend I have a pretty gritty style, pretty um, 
it's not what I would call super clean. So uh, the the kind of this dystopian future seems to fit my style pretty pretty well. So uh, it feels like that's sort of kind of where I would go if if I had to draw something that was like a romance something I would have a problem because I think my style wouldn't exactly uh, lend itself to that genre. Uh, now. Uh this is just a logistical question. I'm curious, all the art that you're showing off, I'm looking at your zoo page right now, and there's some gorgeous stuff on there. It's all black and white. Is this a black and white book? It certainly is. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, I know Pete loves the black and white. He's a big fan of it, but why do you like it? Why do you lead into it? Is it, is it just ease of, all right, I don't need to bring a colorist into this, or is that your preference in terms of how you execute on your art? Uh, well, I tend to, um, I tend to like high contrast art, um, as a viewer and as a drawing experience, it, uh, it's sort of what it's all about, just laying lines on paper. Um, so, you know, black ink on white, that's, it's an immediate sort of thing with that. Uh, I, I get a kick out of, I, I don't really, I mean, I like colored comics, but I seem to gravitate towards, uh, styles and art on that are black and white and high contrasty, that sort of thing. So, uh, and I, it's not that I have an adverse, you know, it's not like I don't like colors, but I, I do tend to find myself attracted to the, the, the art styles that are more in a black and white sort of setup. Yeah. Mm. And wh why do you think that is? Because that's something I feel like a lot of comic, I feel like there's a little bit of a divide there amongst comic readers. Is it because uh, the emphasis on different textures and, and shading and, and things like that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, for me personally, I, I always just feel like color gets in the way of getting uh, right down to the essence of the drawing. The color mm. tends to, for me, tends to hide some of the lines, some of the texture, uh, some of the nuances that would happen with the drawing with just ink on paper, the marks that are being made. Um, and, you know, with the color holds, a lot, lots of uh, colors use color holds. Um, so, you know, it, it takes it out of that that realm, it becomes more of a collaboration. I guess what I tend to, to focus most on is, is sort of like a singular sort of vision, the, the, something that I can get closer to the act of creation in the drawing, uh, as opposed mm. to it as a total uh, package sort of thing. So it, it allows me to see, at least if I feel like it allows me to see how the artists put it down on paper, what their process was. Uh, Cause I'm kind of a process junkie, so. Oh, that's cool. So it's, you think it feels closer to the artist's original vision or like closer to a direct line almost. Yeah, that's what I feel, yeah. That's well, cool. talking about the process a little bit more, if you are a process junkie, I'm curious about specifically how you put together these pages, looking at them a little bit more. I know we called out Frank Miller and there's definitely like, the stark blacks going against white of a classic Frank Miller, like the Sin City thing behind you. But it also seems like you have a little bit of the delicate sort of scratchy pencil work of Howard Chaikin a little bit in there as well. I don't know if that's also an influence. So how'd you tackle the art specifically for this book? Uh, well, uh, the, my, the actual process is, is um, I do the roughs in, digitally in my Cintiq and they're very rough. Uh, sometimes you might be hard pressed to find out what it is I'm actually drawing. Um, and then I print those Just out. Just a big square a, that says city. 
Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I won't even go that far. I just would put a square. I would just know it was a city. That's the actual. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's, wow. it's the, beauty, the beauty of writing for myself too was that the script. I didn't have to write a whole lot of um, descriptions and stuff because it was all, you know, it's in my head. So, um, but uh, yeah, so the the roughs I would I, I would print out on my uh, printer onto actual boards and then I would ink that traditionally and um yeah I'm a messy inker I uh I, I'll I'll pencil I'll pencil hands and faces if I really need to feel like I really need to hit a certain look or a certain uh you know emotion mm. or whatever uh but a lot of the times I'm just sort of flying by the seat of my pants and so I go through a lot of whiteout like tons of whiteout <laughs> um yeah, and it's it's really about the process trying to get trying to trying to just live in that in the process of drawing and, and putting a mark down and reacting to that mark and making another mark or getting out the white out oh, wow. and destroying a mark um so for <laughs> me a lot of it is the process I, I mean i'd be lying if it wasn't also about the final result but uh the the act of drawing for me is is a lot of fun um so i i really kind of mess around and and my pages some of my pages have just like so much white out it's unbelievable you can say um, they get layers and layers of white out pen white out pen. yeah <laughs> yeah wow. if if like some sort of archaeologist could like dig it's... through the levels <laughs> uh, there's some pages that probably have like 30 drawings and i would just i would uh, draw it wouldn't like it i white it out i draw it wow. again i would white it out i draw it again you wow, could probably find like yeah so that's kind of cool on it on its own. Like that's the sort of thing that would be very interesting in terms of a gallery showing, putting up your art <laughs> and being able to physically see the way yeah. that it looks. Yeah, they're like topographical maps. You can kind of just <laughs> rub them and you can feel feel how it all goes. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've had a bunch of guests from Zoop on the show. So most of our listeners, I think, are mostly pretty familiar with Zoop, but I am always curious about your experience here. Uh, I mean, just to set it up for folks, again, I'm looking at the Zoop page now, and you have 23 days left. You were looking for $10,000, and you're up to over $37,000 right now. Yeah. 461 supporters, which is yeah. a lot of humans. That's awesome. So yeah. what has this experience been like for you? Oh, it's been fantastic. <laughs> I I honestly I honestly thought that I'd be uh, beating the drum with like five hours left to try to get it over the over the the ten thousand dollar mark. I I honestly thought that. Um, it apparently it funded in about an hour and ten minutes. Wow! Um, wow! Yeah, that's I, crazy. I'm I'm so grateful for the support that people have been putting behind this. Uh, it's yeah, it's fantastic, and uh, it made me livable for my my wife was very concerned what kind of person I'd be for this month uh, waiting for it to to fund. So because it's funding so quickly, I'm I'm you know I'm I'm nice. <laughs> I'm not I'm not wallowing around and constantly refreshing the page and that sort of thing. So. Have you um, gone too far the other way? Just walking around in a bathrobe, uh, drinking <laughs> martinis, smoking cigars, top of the that's, world? That's no different than the way I normally roll. <laughs> I knew it. Good for you. Good it. for you. You're just lucky I'm, I'm wearing a shirt because I'm not wearing any pants right now. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. I'm done talking to you. That's what we're talking yeah. about, right? No, too much? Took it too far? Yeah. No, that sure did. Just what we wanted. Sure did. 
Uh, now, Jason, I, I have a slightly off-topic question, but I wanted to ask you, just specifically because you're a Frank Miller fan and an artist, I'm curious to get your take on this, not to put you on the spot, but the internet has been fighting for the past couple of days, sorry, about this Frank yeah. Miller Wolverine cover. Just to set it up, uh, Pete, I haven't heard your take on it. Justin, I yeah. know you're more negative about it. I think I was more positive about it. Um have you seen the cover? And I'm curious what you think about it, because there's been a lot of discussion to set it up for our listeners about evolving style and changing style and whether it's, you know, getting into the minutiae of like, is it a good cover or a bad cover? But uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this new take from Frank. Yeah, Miller. I am. Um, there was four of them, right? I know that the mm-hmm. Wolverine's the one that seems to have really got people going. Uh, there was four. There was the Moon Knight, the Wolverine, the Thing, and then there was thing. one other one. Can't, no, I'm blanking what the other one was. I've only seen the Thing in the in the Wolverine. Oh, uh, yeah. But there's so, there's Wolverine. So the the Moon Knight one is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like it, I think it's straight up Miller. Like it's fantastic. The the other three I have mixed reactions to. Uh, I think a little bit. Somebody actually took that. Um, the Wolverine one and just showed the black and white. Mm. Um, and it, they made, they made a little bit of, uh, of, of, a uh, of an argument that colors don't really know what to do with Frank Miller. Um, mm, interesting. And it is stronger without the color. Not, no, again, no knock on whoever color. <laughs> you hate color. My color sense isn't very good. So I, I tend to not think in color, but, uh, yeah, I think um, you know, uh, props to him for for still drawing. I honestly don't know what his health state is. Mm. You know, mm. um, so it's easy to throw stones. It is so easy mm-hmm. to throw stones. Yeah. Um, I, I'm gonna. I, 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 my my personal stance is that if he is continuing to draw and he enjoys the act of drawing. Fuck, let him draw whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um, great. Uh, yeah, and if Marvel wants to give him money, Marvel gives him money. Whatever. Um, it's interesting that you say about the the colors because I could really see that making it a, a, a different thing, the different, uh, whole different experience where it's a little bit evened out, and it's because uh, I, I feel like you, the fact that you see the his torso and up and his sort of blue looking fur, I think. Uh, hair slash fur i think it does look it changes the look of it a little bit mm-hmm. and maybe when it's a black and white image it does remind it's more reminiscent of uh, miller's early work well plus you probably also don't have that l- sort of lens flare thing happening off the claws or anything like that mm-hmm. so yeah i i think uh, i will say the reason i was more positive is i had initially seen this just crop to wolverine on the internet i was like woof that doesn't look great and then i saw the full cover and i saw it was part of a series and to me, it actually feels a lot more stark. It feels like the figures. It's almost like those old 3D uh, lenticular covers that you get in like the 90s and stuff where the character is just popping out at you. And right. it really, I don't know, it really stands out. Like the purpose of a cover is to grab you in the comic book yeah, store. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And this is the sort of thing that if I was walking along, I'd be like, what's that? That would jump out at me. Yeah. The title treatment jumps out at me. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Again, I'm a little more positive, I think, than some other people, but um, I appreciate your thoughts regardless, Jason. Yeah. Well, and for I, me, oh, good. No, I just I get really upset when people get on the internet and complain about stuff. Like, 
uh, it's one of those things where, and I know that's what the internet is for, apparently. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you know, why, why focus on the things that you hate? Mm -hmm. the, the amount of negativity that came out of this was just like, it, it numbs me. It makes me pretty sad. Um, yeah. There's no need to throw hate at it. Just let it go by. If you don't like it, just leave it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and for all these people to come out and say whatever they say, like, I just, it just makes me shake my head. Yeah. Uh, just so you that. know, uh, someone had made a comment or uh, blade was the other one you were trying to think mm -hmm. of. Uh, okay, yeah, floor, yeah. 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 But uh, to kind of switch gears a little bit, I just wanted to say thank you, man. Um, uh, the uh, Kill All Monsters was just so badass. Full tint, full tint look, uh, full tilt looks just as badass. Full I just wanted to thank you colors. for these like unbelievable worlds that you create, and uh, I, I love living of them. I love all the action. I love how intense it is. So uh, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for your work, man. And hearing that it takes you a lot of time, yet you still have fun, is uh, is it's a very inspirational. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks, He's not wearing yeah. pants, so yeah, yeah. Well, you might be you might be you might be excited to know that Michael and I will be doing more Killer Monsters. So Ooh, oh, nice, nice, yeah. great. I'm excited for that. Yeah. That's awesome, uh, Jason. Thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations yeah. on the project. Congratulations on all the success. It is awesome, and I'm looking forward to it coming to a close and more of everything from you. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Long yeah, long. Take, take care. care. Thanks a lot. Have a good night. Have a good one. Oop, I cut him off. Sorry oh, about that, Jason. Way to uh, be, Regardless, dude. yeah, I'm a bad guy. Uh, but check out, it's on Zoop for the next 20-ish days or so, depending on when you're listening to this. It's called Full Tilt, and it is so cool, and it looks so cool, and you're definitely not going to be sorry supporting this project. It is awesome. Yeah, Why it looks sick. We move on with our next guest. He is the creator of Saga of the Shield Maiden. Shield Maiden, excuse me. Asa Wheatley... Asa, welcome to the hey, show. Hey. Uh, oh my gosh. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Um, once again, I'm going to turn it over to Pete for the background. Yeah, thank you. You look like uh, you have some amazing stuff behind you. Anything you want to point out to us? Because that, that wall looks uh, amazing. Well, the, this wall is actually my partner's desk. So she's an illustrator oh, okay. and comic creator as well. And she's in the first Shield Maiden book, uh, Sammy Ward. So my oh. stuff is all on my ward. Oh, okay. we're looking at the wrong wall right now. We're looking it at seems the wrong wall. Like, yeah, but yeah. you might appreciate this. She's, yeah, she's killing the game. That's yeah, unbelievable yeah. what she's got going on. Now, maybe we I'm, can get her for another show because it yeah, seems like yeah, she would yeah. be amazing. So we could see, finally I'll, see your wall. I'll, yeah, oh, that's a I'll great call, that. Alex. That's a good way. <laughs> um, but I've got a couple of hack slash pages on the wall. Yeah, hack slash. Um, hack slash that I uh, read because of you guys. Oh, oh hey! wow. we'll take that. Shouts to when, Pete. When you used to all sit on a single sofa and talk about the stuff. We're still sitting on a single sofa. We just set up three different green screens behind us and have different angles. Yeah. It's oh, too complicated. It's very complicated. It's all a weird lie. I don't know why we're telling it. <laughs> <laughs> we all live in the same house, Huey Dewey and Louie style. Yeah. So, uh, Issa, you have... Sack of the Shield Maiden actually has been coming out for a little while now. You have the third volume is on Kickstarter now. Just to set it up, this is another super successful Kickstarter. You were looking for $3,131, and with 18 days to go, 
You are currently at $11,550. Hey, killing it. 388 backers. Uh, and this is for book three of Sagas of the Shield Maiden, as well as books one and two. So talk us through this. Do not get too reductive about it. Like it's, It feels a little bit Red Sonia related and sort of using that sort of type of thing as a jump off. I think if you're a fan of that, you might be a fan of this, though it definitely goes in different directions and it definitely tells stories in different ways. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say that's, that's uh, fairly accurate. Um, can I also just say that in uh, dollars, my goal sounds way better uh, because currently <laughs> looking at it in pounds, it's just over 9,000 rather than just over 11. So. There oh, it is. Oh, okay, all right. So it sounds even better to me today. There you uh, go. <laughs> but yeah, it is... It is Kind of influenced by that kind of fantasy stuff, but then also taken a lot of influence from things like, like Hellboy, yeah. and having yeah. that kind of singular like main character and their adventures, and then kind of adding a couple of uh, returning uh, characters as as they go along as well. Um, and it's instead of uh, like something like Hellboy, where it would be kind of like maybe a five issue story or like kind of full issue stories it's a bit more the all the books are anthologies so they all have multiple stories about the same main character in each of them well where did that start wow. with i mean was that uh not to get too reductive about it but was like that a utility thing in terms of saying okay i can write these stories and then get them out to a couple of different artists to put together as an anthology was the original idea just hey i want an anthology and then you went out to the artists what was the order of the process there uh so kind of a bit of both i guess is the uh, cop-out answer but um <laughs> it's, it started as one of the stories uh, so one of the stories in book one was the first thing that I kind of thought of. And then in writing other comics, I did a couple of anthologies and really enjoyed just the ability to work on one book, but work with multiple different artists all at once. Mm, yeah. And also the kind of uh, in terms of actually producing comics, because it's all self-published stuff, the ability to send five shorter scripts to five different artists and get 20 pages back within like a month rather than sending a 20 page script to one artist and having to wait oh, much longer the time yeah, there we go i got you you're more of a buffet back. guy you like the buffets yeah, sure. yeah yeah just dipping in but to artists mm-hmm. instead of food yeah um, nice grazer uh now given that you're setting this in a specific time period granted it's you know it's not like historical fiction necessarily but you are setting it in this specific time and place how much research did you do did you look into this time and place or did you just kind of be like all right these are stories about these characters i'm just going to kind of follow them wherever i think they're going to go uh so this kind of time period is something that i'm interested anyway so before i even started writing the book uh, i have a fascination of like the kind of viking time period and norse mythology and stuff like that anyway so some of it was already just built into knowledge that I had. But then in writing it, I kind of did more research. But I'm also not massively worried about being super duper historically accurate. Uh, there are some elements of it that are accurate. And uh, so the character that's on uh, the screen at the moment that is with the Shield Maiden in this story is supposedly a real life historical character. Um, and uh, she is 
thought to be the bones of one of the kind of most famous and biggest uh, ship burials that they've like discovered in the last oh. hundred years. Um, mm. And so, so if that is supposedly her, then she was a real life person who is the kind of lineage of the first king of Norway. And so there is elements of historical stuff, but I've changed it where I've needed to, to fit into the stories that yeah. I want to tell. Uh, now so let me the... ask you: in your in your uh, a lot of your information here, you, t- you call it a Viking Western. So yeah. are are Vikings the cowboys and cowgirls um, of the frozen sea? Are they very cold cowboys? Yeah, yeah, they ride. They ride. Horses Can't believe you cut me off for that question. <laughs> this is a very his- important historical question. Yeah, Pete. yeah, yeah I was wondering that the entire fact. time. Even yeah. when we were yeah. talking to Jason yeah. earlier, I was like, <laughs> "Are Vikings <laughs> the cold cowboys?" Yeah. Of the sea. Of the uh, sea. Yes. I, I would want to know, on a project like this, what's your favorite part? Is it doing the research? Is it getting back all the different arts, uh, uh, kind of different art takes on a similar character? Uh, is it, you know, kind of creating uh, the the writing for this story? What's your favorite part about a project like this? Is, uh, is two things. The first is uh, getting emails back from artists with pages. Mm whether they're pinups, whether they're interior pages, whether they're one of the three amazing covers that uh, I've had for each of the books. Uh, And then the second thing is then when, uh, after after I do all the posting, which is not my favorite thing, uh, (laughs) when people start getting it and reading it and enjoying it, that and people coming up to me at like conventions and say that they picked it up on the Kickstarter, things like that. That's, Uh That's the second, next to getting pages in, uh, uh, in my inbox. Uh, cool. This is a little bit of follow up, but if Vikings are cold cowboys, no, no. are are regular cowboys hot cowboys, or are there separate? No, hot they're cow- they're hot. They're hot Vikings. Oh, yeah, cowboys are hot, hot Vikings. Vikings. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. This is hot temperature wise. Yeah. They're dusty I mean, Vikings. Um, yeah. Great. Great point. In in uh, actual answers to a uh, silly question. The, um, the kind of idea that I had with comparing it to uh, like Westerns is in like kind of the idea of like the Wild West became kind of like civilized and the kind of like taming of the Wild West. In the Viking Age, a very similar thing was done, but with Christianity being introduced so Mm. kind of Christianity was introduced and like a lot of the kind of like pagan religions began to like disappear and so the idea was as well as just making cold cowboys uh, (laughs) was to kind of mirror that with the two uh, the two very different time periods but making them almost about similar things now, this is the third volume you've done of this, and as we've already established, it's not just the third story. This is a lot of stories at this point. Um, how has your process developed? What have you found and tackled differently in the third volume, the way that you're writing these stories versus the first volume? So the first volume, uh, I didn't know if I would have the opportunity to do any more. Mm. Uh, mm. So I kind of wrote a list of 
stories that I wanted to do, but I still have that list that has just been added to as as I've gone along. Um, but I I wanted to get five stories that could all be told on their own in the first book, and if that was all I could do, then I wanted to just make sure that I was happy with it. The difference now in the third book is because of the way that I've set up some of those stories and because of it's, it's much more anthology based and the stories are all shorter in the in the earlier books. Uh, what I want to do now is make almost like a longer running series, but still with that kind of anthology format. So I've kind of gone for uh, there's still three stories still by three different artists. But two of the stories are basically the beginning of two different timelines of the main character's life. So following one, following a younger version and one following an older version in the hopes that eventually the younger version will catch up with the older mm. and, and kind of bridge that and complete that timeline. Awesome. Cool. So it's like a whole young Indiana Jones Chronicles, regular Indiana Jones type thing. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That, that, yeah, wow. what Stop of mind. They announced today they're all going to be on Disney Plus. I'm very excited. <laughs> oh man, what a show that everyone's going to be disappointed in again. Do you remember when that came out? Everyone was like, "Oh, I, it was my favorite show. It was my favorite show. Every episode." Indiana Jones hung out with a historical figure and they went on an adventure. It was perfect. Yeah. When he, Harrison when, Ford when Harrison showed up Ford, like once. When Harrison Ford as, plays as the tiny Indiana saxophone. As young yeah, he plays... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's doing that in the new movie, too. They digitally de-aged him to like the age of Raiders and then they also digitally de-aged him to be a baby. It's going to be baby Harrison Ford. Oh, <laughs> that's adorable. Baby yeah. Indy. We named the dog Indiana. He's going to say Great. Oh, I hope the dog's a puppy. Yeah, there you go. Well, this seems to have addressed everything about your book, I think. Uh, well, yeah. one more question. One more question. So, like, uh, a turkey leg is like a can of beans <laughs> where the cans, sure. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the beans are on the outside and the can. Mm -hmm. A fish is like a cold turkey of the sea. <laughs> no, tuna. Tuna. Oh, tuna. tuna. Uh, Asa, more specifically in terms of your actual book before we let you go. So the Kickstarter, obviously very successful at this point. But other than the book, what potentially can people expect if they pledge? What can they look forward to? Uh, so we have a whole uh, host of pinups. So each book, I uh, get five other artists to all do uh, pinups for uh, basically just whatever they want. I don't really give them a brief. Um, I just let them oh, nice. uh, go wild and they always uh, deliver. You can see all of those on the Kickstarter. Um, and we are uh, pushing towards a stretch goal to get a vinyl sticker uh, so that every physical backer will get a vinyl sticker. Uh, I don't know how far away we are from that in dollars. Uh, we are about <laughs> £750 away from it. Okay. Uh, Which is more, as we learned. Which is more. Um, the pound is yeah. like the dollar for Vikings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boy. The pound is like the, the posh cowboy. Oh, oh yes. Oh, okay. Okay. And yeah. posh is like fancy for Vikings, for, for rich yes. yep. Vikings. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Well, 
nailed that one. Uh, Asa, thank you. <laughs> I so- think we're making a lot of sense. No, honestly, yeah. though, the book looks fantastic. Yes. Uh, I'm going to get get back into this and then can't wait for the next one. Yeah, and having read through the first two, it's great. The stories are really fun and interesting. The art styles are very different. There's awesome right. artists on it throughout. So very excited to check out Volume 3 as well. Congratulations yeah, right. on the success. Uh, it's awesome. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me on. All right, no problem. A we'll pleasure. have your girlfriend on next time so we can see your wall. All right. <laughs> All right, there we go. Once again, the book is called Saga of the Shield Maiden. Yeah. It's up on Kickstarter now from Asa Wheatley, so definitely check it out. Definitely check it out. And, folks, we are going to move to our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It is your audience questions. (laughs) And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question in the comments on any of the platforms you're watching, except Twitter. It's not going to work on Twitter, but you can do it anywhere else. In the meantime, though, we should talk about what you're drinking. Specifically, we can kick it off Mm. with, pretty much every week, Stray Bullet. Stray Bullies. Brett Macris, our official CBC chef, a real chef, either curates or designs a drink for us, uh, sometimes comic book based, sometimes not. This week was not, but I'm very excited about it because it is an absolutely delicious drink. He was apparently mowing the lawn, I believe, outside. It was really hot. And he was like, you know what I want is I want a Michelada, but I want to make it with Mezcal. So he made Michelada. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Like Michelin star. Uh, Yeah, it's a Michelin star Michelada. He made a Mesalada. Is that how you pronounce it? Justin? Uh, yeah, it's sort of a mescala in my yeah. hands anyway. Mescalada, it is uh, lime and mint and mezcal and lime juice. Ah, it looks refreshing. And, oh my God, it is so good. A Almost looks like sauce. Gatorade with tequila in it. <laughs> yeah, that's how it tastes like, Gatorade with tequila. Put a little uh, Brooklyn Brewery Summer Owl, a Sunny Pale Owl in it. Very uh, good. Uh, mine looks a little bit different from yours, Alex, and I'll tell you why. Uh I uh, when I make a michelada, I throw a little bit of Worcestershire sauce in it, Worcestershire. and so I added that to this mix. And I'll tell you what, it just works really well with the hot sauce. I did a mix mix of Tabasco and Cholula, but the real classic michelada hot sauce to use is Valentina sauce. If you can get your mm. hands on that, well, great stuff. This one is delicious. I love it, Pete. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a beer. Uh, I'm drinking something that. It's a little funky. It's called Circle Theory Hazy First State. Whoa, dude. Ooh. Yeah, ooh, so it's, uh, it's a little intense. And um, Did you pour pull... any hot sauce or anything in it? Soy sauce? Anything no, I don't know. Uh, I don't add sauce to my beer, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> Put a little mayo in there. It'll really. Uh, oh, so that's I the love. worst thing you could have said. <laughs> a lot of times I'll take an empty mayonnaise jar and fill it with beer. Oh, oh God. It on a hot summer day. I'm trying not to okay. throw that's up on my mayo mouth. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. That is a mayo gelada. All right, why don't we get to some questions here? We got a couple already. This is from Frederica Rosa. What's your guys' opinion on changes on comic books to make them closer to movies or TV shows? Sometimes just the appearance, but Shuri is one I remember being a big change in general. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about that, Pete? We've lost the bottom of you. This question is so big. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that it is. You know, I I understand the frustration with it um, because it's like, well, that's not. I read comics for the comic stories, but. I think it makes sense to have things line up so that it can all be sort of one thing. And as long as it's done in a way that I think is uh, smart and creative, then I think it's it's great. 
because it gives it gives comic book writers and artists a little bit of an inspiration, like something they have to do and to find the most interesting way to get there. Pete, yeah, right you're, now you're, I just want to mention real quick, Pete. Uh, visually, you look like Wilson from Home Improvement right now. Okay. Again, your lifelong Fun. dream. Yeah, yeah. great. You're, yeah, topical reference. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I think it's you know because there's an interesting thing about this, right? Uh, one, it's like, oh, don't put fucking shackles on someone who is creative. But you hear uh, writers and other creatives talking about sometimes if there is kind of like this thing, either a workaround or what, it can be helpful for them creatively. So I don't know, man. It seems weird to make comics for TV or movie. I don't like the sound of that. I want comics to be the best comics they can be. And then TV and movie, whatever happens afterwards, fine. But um, I just think that, you know, you want to just try to make the most, uh, the best thing that you can for the medium that you're making it for. Well, and I like your, your referencing last week's episode where we talked to Brian Michael Bendis and um, Michael Avon Oming. Yeah, don't about, do any name dropping or anything. You kind of drop well, those. Let me get those for you there. But I'm saying if you didn't listen, I'm not, you were also part of the, <laughs> not a flex on my part. We were <laughs> there like one flexing. week ago. <laughs> no, you're flexing also. Uh, I'm trying to say though, like they, we had a great conversation about how limitations on uh, a writer and an artist actually sort of give you a freedom, give you a push into something else, and I think that's what this can possibly be. I'll say I like it. I think anything that can make comics accessible to people and easier for people to jump in is always going to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think. You know, there was one point, frankly, that I think I was arguing pretty heavily that they should just wipe out the Marvel Universe and make the MCU and do everything there. And same thing with the DC Universe, set it in the Arrowverse and just go forward. And I think there is a certain set it in the Arrowverse for real. Like at the prime version of that, I think there's something to be said in terms of appealing to the greatest audience possible and making it as easy as possible for somebody to walk into a comic book store and be like, "Yes, that's the thing I want to read. Got it. Let's go." Rather than being like. Hey, I really like the Flash TV show. Can I read the Flash? Would be like, yep, but it's three different Flashes who are not on the TV show, and they're back in time, and one of them is in the future, and one is the son and the father, and the other, and all of that stuff is too complicated. In terms of lining the things up, which is the other end of the thing that we're mentioning here, I think a lot of that depends on the execution. And frankly, if they're going to do it, I'd rather they just do it and we move forward. Like the fact that. Amanda Waller in both comic books just started looking like Viola Davis. That's cool. I'm fine with that. That's not a problem. Let's just go. That makes it easier for people who've seen the movies. On the other hand, when Marvel did, I want to say, five years of story to explain where Nick Fury had a son named Nick Fury Jr., who then lost the Jr., and then lost one of his eyes and got an eye patch, I was like, can we just do this yeah. we all know you're doing sam jackson and then the fact that after that they had like a year of stories where they'd be like oh hello nick fury jr who's nick fury's son and not actually nick fury himself how are you doing and he's like great can we move on with the rest of the story i was like i don't need this Just i do understand it. that but i think we slash or you are in the minority in in comic book fandom where like think of the letters the sort of squeaky wheel of people who are like that my nick fury is this also, so they're trying to just sort of smooth out those edges. Also, who who are you talking about? Who is this person that walks into a comic book shop with blinders on that says, I only want to see the Flash thing that I know and love? And no, not that's not like- what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's somebody who's like, I love the Flash show so much, I'm interested in checking out the comics. And they right. walk into the store, and they're like, hey, I'm hey. watching the Flash show. Uh, what can I check out? 
And they pointed... We talked about this with uh, so many different comics over the years. Like, yeah. I think Wonder Woman is a great example of whenever there would be a Wonder Woman movie coming out, I would love to be like, hey, check this out. This is great for fans of the movie. Instead, it was like, well, Wonder Woman's dead for the fifth time, and now she's a goddess, and she's in the underworld, and uh, right. everything's different. Yeah, but some of those comics were great. I love the comics, Pete. We've been doing a comic book show for well, 15 years. Oh, have years. we? I just woke up out of a coma, you asshole. <laughs> Let me say... You when were I, coming in so hot today. You're damn when right. I, when I walk into a store... You're full tilt, I'm, buddy. You're full yeah, tilt. Take this down, tilt. by the way. This is fucking too much already with this. When is there a I, way I can make this bigger so I can cover you up entirely? When I go into a comic book shop... I'm infuriated every time I see wow. Every time I see a uh, a book that isn't Frankencastle Punisher. Ah, uh, boo. Instead I get boo. this Punisher uh, That's dumb. who what you're saying is dumb. No, what you but I I'm saying that because like you can surely identify with the idea of someone wanting their thing to be a particular version of it. So, yeah. Of course. But it would also be great news to be like, hey, if you love The Flash, look at all these other things that you could read and discover. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is good. I'm glad Why you're having we... fun, Selvin. I am having a good time. All right, why don't we move on to some other questions. Uh, oh, this is a specific one from Shrinkler. Will Disney Plus include the George Hall old indie segments? Um, so this is a weird thing, just to be very specific about this. I know I, we were joking a little bit about the news earlier, but Disney Plus did announce that they're going to be putting up all four indie movies, as well as the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. However, it, they are not putting up the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. They're putting up the Adventures of Young Indiana Jones and as far as I understand it, there were six episodes that were specials of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. And then they picked mm. it up as a series, did 22 episodes, and then I believe it got canceled and they didn't broadcast any of them. And then they made a number of movies additionally, yeah. I think like eight more, six more movies or eight more movies or something like that. When it hit VHS, they took all of that and re-edited the whole thing into 22 movies that had new footage and took out some of the other footage, and that's what's going to be on Disney Plus. So my wow. answer is, and I that's no hard idea. to do on VHS. Yeah, so you got to record no, no, to another like... uh, tape. It's a, it's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. No, I think whenever you watch, press play on um, one episode of these, someone at Disney has to take a VHS out. Open the thing, look, blow the dust off it, put it in. He's well, I was going to say man. this is this is a little tip. If you're having any problems with Disney Plus, just blow on it like, uh, a little bit, and then put the Disney Plus back in. It'll oh, be fine. Boy. So yeah. this, this is the long way of saying I actually don't know because I don't think I ever saw those versions on VHS. So I have literally no idea what's going to be in it or not. But I mean, and I'm not saying I was sort of making fun of it a little bit before, and I'm not saying it's a bad show, but it was just very funny. The promise of it was like. Indiana Jones coming to your TV. And as a kid, I was like, hell yes. Mm-hmm. And then in the actual episode, uh, it, the, the first one, I believe, is Harrison Ford, and he finds he's in a cabin in the snowy something. Mm-hmm. And he pulls out a tiny saxophone and plays it. And he's like, I remember this saxophone story. And then it cut away from him. We never saw him again. I was like, what? What? I I was sold. Yeah. Well, it was definitely, it's a family show. Like, it's a very yeah. different thing than the Indiana Jones movies. All right, uh, why don't we go to the next question in the order from Schoichler. Talking of art styles working better for certain genres, what are your favorite examples of art that stylistically should not have worked for a comic but somehow did? Ooh, interesting. Interesting question. 
trying to think of a good, I mean, the first answer that comes to mind is I was surprised when uh, Chris Bocciolo took over when, uh, was that Wolverine and the X? Oh, no, that wasn't him. Uh, that was uh, another person that whose art looks like him. But Chris Bocciolo in general working in the X-Men universe, I was always like, this is a little bit surprising, but back age of apocalypse the uh generation oh, x yeah, book dude, there it was great perfect. oh yeah. yeah it really was yeah. uh i don't know this is hard because like uh you know they do a lot of really amazing stuff with comics like uh, you know they they make comics now where it's all black and white or you know there's no words there's a lot of the different stuff they're trying to do i remember that um I, I don't know if it was uh detective comics or batman where there was that one with the Court of Owls where Batman got stuck in that labyrinth and that was so, like, uh, kind of uh, crazy to kind of read. Oh, yeah, uh, turned it, it around. Yeah, it almost didn't work on an iPad and kind of, like, you had to get it kind of, like, in comic book form. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the good news is there has been... It's been successful. Like the, I've been really impressed with a lot of the stuff. To, you know, to kind of make it to comic uh, form, it's got to be uh, such a, a level that uh, you usually don't see too many misses. I, uh, I mean, this is the first one that came to mind. Steve Scrochi on uh, Clobberin' Time right now. I, mm. I mean, that's certainly him, like leading into the stuff that he likes in terms of gross gross out not horror stuff but just like gross actiony stuff but at the same time him doing a thing book that's not the first idea that i would have necessarily had for a book to put him on but it's working great it's totally gross and it's very fun yeah um all right we got one here from stanley it says you guys are so funny together do you think your dynamic is different in person or online do you miss seeing each other in person uh, <laughs> Pete punches us a lot less online. Yeah, that's the thing. I I have like, I owe people punches in real life, so it's really hard uh, to kind of virtually uh, uh, be as effective as I normally am what a in blessing. person. Yeah, yeah. What a blessing. Uh, I do think uh, the dynamic has changed. I think it took us a little bit to kind of get into the rhythm of going online, uh, but I definitely do miss the in person. Uh, kind of back and forth um, you know definitely it's easier to keep you guys in line when you're sitting next to me for sure in line. but Are you hurting us yeah that's right you're like the sheepdog of the the group yeah sometimes you get out of hand you get a little too bold and if I'm in person I can get you in check a little bit quicker you know is what that I mean? what you see as your role on the show because that explains a lot that's I know that's insane that is an insane idea shout out if anybody believes that pete is the shepherd of the, of yeah. the book club yeah pete's the steady one pete's the steady keeps his emotions right. in check ones he's like hey guys let's bring it yeah, down a notch. no shaking well steady yeah, his hand does not move well, it's pretty steady um i do think that, <laughs> i do think hey, it, it is different i mean we're talking uh you know our wi-fis are all different we're all trying to talk and, and find our way through it and it is a skill to be like okay he's finishing his thought now i can say my thing so, like, that is definitely a rhythm change, but it's a rhythm that we developed in person for so long in the past. That's there true. Uh, we got one from Stray Bullet that maybe we can wrap up with. It's too hot here. With summer approaching, ah. how hot is too hot? What's the ideal hangout temp for the summer? Oh, I like a low 70s, maybe high 60s for me is the perfect temp. Nice. Finally, the oldest question we've ever gotten. Yeah. The oldest person <laughs> question we ever had. 
Uh, yeah, I, I'd agree with a 70s. I like a 70s. 60s is good. I'd prefer a 50s jacket weather. That's good with me. Oh, yeah? You're more 50s? Com- yeah, you like you summer. Want I, don't, I don't like summer. I don't like summer. It's too hot. You don't like... Mm. <laughs> you don't like summer yeah. at all. Wow. Uh, great. Great stuff. I like it to boil. I'm going to go one further. I like it to be cloudy. Mm. Whoa. That's not a temperature. Put that sun away. Uh, that's I an like to be, upstate New York uh, answer yeah, if I've ever I like heard one. I like to be gray, cloudy. Degrees. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And also haze. following up, following up on how old this question is. Why won't this vending machine work? <laughs> Can't get my soda out. Oh, well, soda great pop. questions there, and folks, we are going to move to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All right, this is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars to Midtown Comics online or Long John Silver for some reason. Um, uh, do we have a brave volunteer? Is there someone we picked ahead of time? Or are we, we looking do, for we do. first hand We have a volunteer up? today. I'm going to bring in Cody Thomas. Cody, hello. Hey, Cody. Hey, What's up? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, guys, just shout out to Brett. I'm actually at the airport heading out of New Orleans. Had lunch with Brett today. It's great. Oh, that's awesome. Look at this. Where did you have lunch? Did you go to his uh, restaurant? I did not. He's off today. But we uh, we got some pizza. I was visiting my sisters, doing some traveling nursing. But I had a good time. It was great to meet him. And it was cool meeting somebody from uh, the comic book club. Oh, that that's awesome. awesome. You love In to real see life, it. hanging out. That is really cool. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Congratulations. Take it away with some trivia. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So excited. All right. uh, Today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Carol Locatell. R.I.P. Ethel. Here we go. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one. On June 14th, we have the return of what Spider-Man? Is it A, Spider-Man India? B, bad name for a salesman, or C, Johnny Hawk? I'll go with so, A. A is correct, sir. Yeah, don't nice. overthink these at all. <laughs> uh, here we go. Question number two. The Archie Horror Line uh, has a new comic called a Blank A Cursed Life coming out this Wednesday. It is uh, about the possibility of Jughead being possessed by a demon. Is it called A, Jinxed? A jinx, a cursed life. B, name of a cool shade store, or C, Sunny Shields. I go A. A again. Nice job. Well done. Yeah, jinx the car. We'll have that in the stack, which will be fun to talk about. Here we go. Last one. What DC supervillain is getting a special number one issue this August? Is it A, Doomsday, B, Catman, or C, Corey Feldman? Gotta go A. A Corey is correct. Yes. yes. Congratulations. You are Thank going to get a twenty-five dollar gift card to would you rather Midtown Comics or Long John Silvers? Let's get some comics. There you right. go. Good Very for you. Smart. you I will say guess? Long John oh, yeah. Silver is the Midtown Comics of the Sea. <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> that's I don't true. Think that's true. Yeah, yeah. It is true. Yeah. And Long John Silvers is the cold Midtown Comics. 
That's <laughs> exactly. Oh my god! You walk yes. in, you pick your fish sandwich off of the rack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not how it works. Yeah. At all. Did you Frank see Miller Frank Miller's draws- cover for? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> anyway, uh, Cody, do you have a guess as to the secret movie or TV show that Pete was alluding to here? I do not. I uh, was not paying that close attention. Oh, okay. Well, I was talking about the 1985 film Friday the 13th: A New Beginning. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Cody, congratulations. Hit me up on the Slack to remind me we will get your gift card. And safe travels, safe flights. Yes, safe travels, man. Morning now, so I'll see y'all later. Get on that plane. All right, there we go. Now, I imagine imagine Cody at the the spot where you have to, like, scan your boarding pass, and you're like, Hey, put it on the machine, guy. Um, He's like, I just got to do this uh, podcast real quick uh, right here in front of everybody. "Uh, Did you choose the Long John Silver's gift card this time? Is that what you got? Anyway, as we all know, new comics are cool, and they're coming out all the time. What are you guys looking forward to, Pete? What are you looking forward to? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm looking forward to Batman Brave and the Bold, number one, as well as Arcade Kings, number one. Hmm. Justin, what about you? I knew you were going to pick Arcade Kings. Oh, I yeah? Say, yeah, I did. Uh, because it was right over the Pete plate, which is a garbage plate, as mm-hmm. you might expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of great plate. books out there. I want to shout out uh, You're right, Dark a lot Ride. of great ones. A lot of great ones. Dark Ride number six by um, uh, Josh Williamson uh, and no. art by Andrea Brayson. No it's way, like dude. such a good... Such a good comic. It's something I'm a big fan of. Birthright, as you know. Uh, but I also want to shout out one other. Uh, the Seasons Have Teeth. Uh, number I knew it. I knew I was getting you, too. Have Teeth, number two, by Dan Waters from Boom. This book is such a surprising, strange idea. I'll pitch it real quick. It's The seasons are sort of pers- personified in these monsters that are running loose. And this uh, main character is a photographer who's sort of uh, down on his luck. Something's going on in his life. And he's out there to try to photograph uh, the, these monster seasons. And it's just a great, unique, surprising book. Really enjoying it. couple of things I'll shout out then that I was interested to check out. I was interested to check out Titans, number one, of course, which is already out from DC Comics. See how they make it different from Nightwing. I guess we'll see. Also, Maleficent, number one. From yes, Spotify. dude. I, okay. Yes. Well, I was very surprised by the Scar book that they could out. So I was like, yeah. okay, let's see if they could do it again. So we'll definitely talk about that one. And uh, the last one I'll sh- give a shout out that I am always looking forward to is She-Hulk from Rainbow Rowell. Yes, and the rest dude. Of the oh, yeah. Hell Best yeah. Best romance comic. Oh, I love it. Very ah. good. There's uh, some fun uh, baby jokes. The ships well. are moving are around. Are we going to keep on the, the Disney villains thing? Like, are we going to get to, like... The vague sense of adulthood series based on the Pixar villains. <laughs> oh, shots oh, yeah. fired, bro. <laughs> shots fired. And all of those books are going to be in our Stack podcast that comes out Wednesday 9 a.m., both in the Comic Book Club feed and its own dedicated Stack feed. And, folks, that is it for this week's show. A couple Shoo. of people we want to thank. We want to thank Jason Copeland for coming on to talk about Zoop's Full Tilt. Also, Asa Wheatley for Saga of the Shield Maiden. You can check that out on Kickstarter Hell right yeah. now. Next week, we're going to have Jeff Mose and Patrick Hernandez are going to hear to talk about Spiderweb. A couple Hell of things yeah. to plug on our end. Candyman, our Sweet Tooth podcast is complete. It's all up for season two. Sons of a Gun, our DC podcast. We just put up the third part of our required reading series. Talk about Flash Flashpoint. 
Uh, that was an interesting discussion. I was very pleasantly was surprised good, yeah. about that one. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast. We got regular stuff coming out every week. We just did a big review of Guardians of the Galaxy 3, so check that out. Riverdale After Dark, a Riverdale podcast, also coming out weekly. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support this show and all the shows we do. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram and TikTok, Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Good night. I'm just a cold Pete, everybody. Remember that? credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.